0: Are you wanting to cultivate your child's potential, but you aren't sure where to start? Would you like some practical tips to help your child tap into their God-given talents and abilities and use them for His glory? Then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. If you feel led to partner with us, please just go to gingerhubbard.com support to donate any amount. And thank you, listeners, for your support, which helps us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. If you're a homeschooling mom like me, then you know the excitement of peeling that protective film off a set of curricula complete with brand new lesson plans. But as we all know, A week or so into those plans, life happens. Someone gets sick. Someone leaves their spelling book at the soccer field. Someone gets stuck on a math concept. And suddenly, those lesson plans are completely obsolete. This is one of the many reasons I'm excited to introduce you to the BJU Press Homeschool Hub. When life inevitably happens and our plans change, the Hub Calendar makes any necessary assignment adjustments with just a few clicks of a mouse. But that's not all it can do. I can look at the Hub dashboard and quickly see how my kids have progressed through their courses, what assignments they need to finish, and how many lessons they have before each course is completed. There's also a grade book that will track graded assignments and create report cards. My favorite part is that I can keep track of our wonderful BJU press courses as well as any other outside resources so i have one tool that keeps track of everything it's almost like they asked a bunch of homeschoolers hey what's the most stressful part of homeschooling and then they developed an awesome tool to alleviate those issues next i hope they'll get to work on the housekeeping hub to find out more about bju press homeschool hub go to bjupresshomeschool.com and watch the video to learn more again that's bjupresshomeschool.com Well, hey there, Ginger. I know you are just as excited about
1: today's guest as I am. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Zan? I would love to. I am convinced that whoever came up with the phrase, dynamite comes in small packages, coined that phrase after they met (laughs) Zan Tyler. Zan is a teeny tiny, adorable little person with a big (laughs) heart for Jesus and a big passion for homeschooling. In fact, her passion for homeschooling almost landed her in jail back in 1984 when homeschooling was illegal. And we're actually going to have Zan come back on the show in just a few months and have her share her story, which is fascinating. But let me just say this. If you're enjoying the freedom of homeschooling your children today without being harassed or threatened by your state, you might want to send Zan Tyler a thank you note or flowers or chocolates or something because (laughs) that teeny tiny little package of dynamite went to battle for that freedom. And Mm. she didn't back up, let up, or shut up until that war was won. To this day, her legislative success in South Carolina has spearheaded legislation to ensure homeschool freedom in other states. I am so very thankful for Zan. Mm. Zan is an inspirational speaker, an author, and a consultant for BJU Press and the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. Zan, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thank you, Ginger. It's such a privilege and pleasure to be here.
1: We are just so excited about what you have to say today on cultivating your child's potential because it's just so easy for parents to get hung up on the temporal aspects of potential. I know I've definitely been guilty of that. I think it's just natural for us to concern ourselves with things like who they'll marry, if they'll make the right career choice or make a good living and uh, be successful and happy in life. But really, those things shouldn't be the measuring stick for whether or not our kids are living up to their potential. As parents, our primary responsibility responsibility is to help our children understand who they are in Christ and how they can serve him well with the unique talents and abilities that God has given them. And Zan, that is where your book, Seven Tools for Cultivating Your Child's Potential, comes in. Now, unfortunately, we're not going to have time to talk about all seven of those today. I wish we did. But let's talk about three, and then we'll tell our listeners where they can get a copy of your book for the other four. So, Zan, what is the first tool we can use to prepare our children for life and eternity and cultivate their potential?
2: Ginger, that is a great question. And I really think that we need to turn to our families first and appreciate how important each unique family is in God's kingdom and in defining who are defining who our children are and who they become. I think there are two types of identity. The first is we teach our children not so much who they are, like Elizabeth Elliott says. She says, it's not who we are, it's whose we are. So hmm. we teach them that they are image bearers of God, that God made them in His image and that gives them great dignity. I think the second thing is, is they begin to learn who they are within the context of our families. Our families are like dictionary for, dictionaries for our children. They define them. And if we want to see how important our unique families are to God and to the culture, we just need to look at scripture. Have you ever read those genealogies and thought, what in the world Am I subjecting myself to reading these <laughs> names I can't pronounce? But you know, that's God's way of saying every one of those families were important enough to be recorded in scripture. They're really God's defining tool. um, The censuses were done by families. The promised land was given out by families. After a 400-year silence, interlude of silence between the Old and New Testament, the first thing we find out about Jesus is his family background. So Mm. I just want to encourage moms that what they are doing is so important. We lose sight of that in the everyday mundaneness of all the responsibilities we have. But they are called by God to shepherd their unique family. And boy, does that give their kids purpose and identity. And we need to remember that as mothers, that what
0: we're doing is kingdom building. Zan, we do know that helping our kids find their identity is so important, especially and fundamentally their identity in Christ. But we must build on our children's sense of identity by adding intimacy in relationships. And We live in a world devoid of intimacy, uh, especially post-COVID. We can just take a look around a restaurant and see how many screens uh, have robbed us all of our intimacy in our personal relationships. It's tragic. So, Zan, before you encourage us with your second tool, which is how we can cultivate intimacy with our children, tell us what happens when there is no intimacy.
2: You know, the best example I can give you, I was in the grocery store years ago and happened to pick up a a magazine while I was standing in line that had an interview by with Jane Fonda in it. I'm not using her as a role model, but I want to tell you what she said. For those of you who are too young to know, she was a famous (laughs)
1: actress. (laughs) Everybody's like, who? That's
2: right. You can Google her. Um, But this is, and her parents were famous movie stars, so it's interesting. She just had a lot of fame growing up and here's what she says everybody has issues for me the challenge is intimacy but I really didn't start to get that until I turned 60. My big regret would be if I'd never had intimate relationship but if you never grew up with intimacy if you were never with parents who really loved each other and you never saw that and absorbed it as a kid it's hard to know how to do it. And isn't this Mm -hmm. interesting? Somebody who had all the outside trappings of life, Mm -hmm. all the wealth, all the fame, money could buy, and yet... Her life was so empty because of this lack of intimacy. And I think we need to realize that intimacy is God's idea. We see it all through scripture. Um, The bride and the the bridegroom, the church is the bride and the bridegroom is Christ. The vine and the branches, that's this intimate relationship we have with Christ Mm -hmm. as the vine. The Lord's Supper is communion and intimate time of sharing until Christ comes again. And even Jesus's name, Emmanuel, means God with us. So he wants us to have those relationships that are rich and robust and meaningful and dynamic. And you're right, Katie, we have lost so much of that in COVID.
1: Zan, in your book, you offer four practical suggestions for how we can develop intimacy with our children. The first is time. Zan, what lesson did your nine-year-old son teach you about the importance of spending time with your children?
2: Well, I'll back up a little bit. I had two boys who were five and seven when I got pregnant with our first little girl, and we lost her when I was six months pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I almost died during that delivery, and so we never expected to be able to have more children. So we unexpectedly and joyfully got pregnant with Lizzie and Ty was nine, and we were, we homeschool, and so we're trying to get all of our schoolwork done for a year in August before we had the baby in September. And um, he looked at me in the middle of this marathon math lesson, and he says, Mom, how do you make a baby love you? Being the wonderful mother was I was, I said, Ty, I don't know. I can't answer that question. We have to finish our math problem. <laughs> and so a few weeks after Lizzie was born, Ty I, I feel Ty nudging me on my shoulder um, in the middle of the night. And he said, Mommy, the baby was crying. Dad didn't hear her. That didn't surprise me. But you didn't hear her. So I got up, and I changed her diaper and cleaned her little um, umbilical cord like the doctor taught us, Mm -hmm. and I rocked her and sang to her, but she still needs you. So Ty lays Lizzie on my chest and walks out the door and turns around, and he says, And Mommy, you know that question I asked you about how you make a baby love you? You spend lots of time with her and love her. And she'll love you back. Oh. Oh. And you know, I thought out of the mouth of babies, I was mm-hmm. too busy to answer his question the lord gave him i'm convinced the answer to that question and you know we've tried to change the narrative in our country that it's not the qua- it's not the quantity of time it's the quality time but i'm convinced it's the quantity of time that we have with our kids lays the foundation in many ways for the quality time we have mm.
0: Mm. that is so good it is <laughs> Well, listeners, I got to listen to Zan speak recently, which was a huge treat for me, because just so you all know, Zan is incredibly dynamic and intelligent, which is why she scared all of those South Carolinian legislators back in the day. (laughs) But I'm going to ask you to do something really difficult now and sum up one of your presentations in just a few minutes. I'm talking about the workshop you do on the importance of talk or conversation in our children's lives. Can you give a brief summary of that talk?
2: Well, let me start by telling you a story about my oldest son, Ty, when he was going to college. He was an auditory kinesthetic learner, and I needed to know, because of the number of ear infections he had as a child, that he did not have an auditory processing problem before he went to school. He was going to an academic school, a very academic college. And so I had him tested by an audiologist. After she finished testing him, she said, I want to talk to you about how you homeschool Ty. And I said, well, I'd really rather tell you how I homeschooled my other two. It was a lot prettier. And <laughs> she, said, she said, nope, tell me about Ty. And I said, he's very auditory. And he'd read a page, I'd read a page. We talked about everything. If we didn't talk about a concept, it did not lodge in his head. It's just how he's wired. And Mm. she said, well, that is so interesting because I have never, and she said, let me underscore the word never, seen a child with his history of ear infections that did not, not have an auditory processing problem. And she said, I think what has happened is all the conversation in your home replace those damaged neuropathways with good, healthy neuropathways. Wow. And oh, wow. I was reading a book later on called Endangered Minds, I think by a, a neurologist. And she has this quote that I just want to read to you. She said, um, she quotes a doctor in her book, Dr. Scheibel is personally convinced that interaction with adults, including language stimulation, is one of the growing brain's most important assets. Without being melodramatic, He told me, I think it would be very important to tell parents, so I'm doing that, they are participating with the physical development of their youngsters' brains to the exact degree that they interact with them, communicate with them. Language interaction is actually building tissue in their brains. So it's also help building youngsters' futures. And that's exactly what we saw with Ty. So I think conversation is free. It's easy. Every parent has access to it. But we don't realize the power that the conversation we have in our homes has to build our children up academically. One study by a bunch of CEOs determined that it was the level of talk in their home that um, contributed to the, their overall leadership abilities. Um, wow. So there's, there's the aspect of education. There's the aspect of leadership. But there's the, also the aspect of discipleship. When we go to Scripture and we see these verses from Deuteronomy 6, these commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children How do we impress them on our children? We talk about them when you sit at the home, when you walk along the road, when you go to soccer practice, when you go to (laughs) piano lessons, when you lie down, and when you get up. And so it's interesting to me that, that conversation not only contributes so much educationally to our children, but it's the way God gives us to disciple them in a powerful way. To me, this really goes along with intimacy because we keep pushing screens when we
1: need to be pushing conversation. Mm. Mm. Amen. Wow. That's so good. All right. So just to recap, we've talked about practical ways we can establish identity and intimacy with our kids. Zan, what is your third tool for how parents can cultivate potential?
2: It's helping our children discover their purpose, their unique giftings and strengths.
0: Okay. So Zan, you taught a public speaking class for boys aged 10 to 15, which... I wish you were doing here in Georgia, by the way. <laughs> but will you share with us the lesson you learned about the deeper meaning of Proverbs 22 6 through teaching that class?
2: Yes, I loved this class. Both of my boys had just gone to college and I was missing them and I had all these boys in this public oh. speaking class. Somebody had given me a bunch of National Geographic maps that were huge. They were like 10 by 12 and 6 by 8 and they were our impromptu guides for speaking that day. So at the end of the class, I've got these 30 maps and the next class wants to come in and I'm trying to fold up these maps and I have no spatial relationship skills at all. Mm-hmm. And so finally, one of the the 13-year-old boys Says, Miss Tyler, give me m- those mats. I can fold them up. So, in about two minutes, he folds up all 30 mats. And I said, Shane, honey, how did you do that? So, he rolled his eyes very sweetly and he said, <laughs> Miss Tyler, you got to fold them the way they're bent. And it was so interesting mm-hmm. because I had just been doing a study by Chuck Swindoll and it was on Proverbs 22 6. Teach a youth about the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Swindoll said about that. We might paraphrase the verse to read, adapt the training of your children so that it is in keeping with their individual gifts or bents, the God-given characteristics built into them at birth. When maturity comes, they will not leave the training they have received. Mm-hmm. So I think part of our job as parents is just to become students of our children, to understand how God made them what is their learning style, what is their personality type, what are their spiritual gifts, what are their strengths and weaknesses, what motivates them, what demotivates them, what discourages them. We really need to know those things about our children and we do that by studying their bent. One of the things in studying our children I think we often overlook are their spiritual giftings. And I think we're so concerned about their education. We're so concerned about their extracurricular activities and life floods in. We just forget about this. So I would encourage moms just to, to look at lists in scripture about what the spiritual gifts are or read a book on spiritual gifting and start examining your children. It, this this really hit home for me when we first started homeschooling. Um, my sons were six and four and my oldest son is an outdoor kid so during our first break he rides his bike outside and he doesn't come back when I call him I say Ty this is not going to work honey you got to listen to me and I'm only going to ask once and he said well mom I just need to tell you what happened you know how yesterday we were praying about how to share Jesus with the people in our neighborhood. I said, "Mm mm-hmm. He said, did you see that little boy on his bike I was talking to? I said, "Mm mm-hmm. He said, you know, Mom, I know everybody in the neighborhood, and it's true. This kid is such an extrovert. (laughs) And he said, I've never seen him before. And I thought, if I don't share Jesus with him right now, I may never have the opportunity again. And it really started me thinking, it was just like the Lord, just like this little ding in my head saying, look at this. This is how I'd made Ty. So we mm-hmm. just saw over the years how he faithfully shared the gospel. I mean, one day I'd had this awful phone call with a text service, you know, where I about lost my religion. And <laughs> um, and and Ty calls me up and he says, Mom, I just led this guy to the Lord who was helping me with my computer. <laughs> I thought, okay, Ty, that is a gifting, and I am put to shame. And, uh, so, but we, we need to be aware of my, sa- and it's funny because Ty's my, my my energetic, um, extroverted son who we knew he would either be a salesman or an evangelist or working with people. So, <laughs> it just makes sense that evangelism really is a gift. My second son, I started noticing he loved to study. His gift is exhortation, and that came out from a a, a really young age. When he was four, he went to Stone Mountain with my sister and he she had both of the boys with him and, and she said, Ty looked at John, Ty was six, John was four and said, John, look at that footprint in the rock. It was just an indentation in the rock. It's so big, it must be God's. And four-year-old John says, Ty, God is a spirit and hath not a body like man. And so... Got his
0: catechisms down.
2: (laughs) And so, you know, I started watching John. That Hmm. was his gift Hmm. exhortation. He's an elder in the church with my husband. He's a lawyer. I mean, it, it just all fits. And then my daughter, Lizzie comes along and she's got this gift of faith and prayer and adventure and and no grass grows under her feet. So I just Mm. encourage one. If there's something the church needs right now, it's children who know their giftings that can really contribute to the life of the church. And um, it's a gift. I believe we can give the church as moms.
1: Mm. I love that. Well, I don't know what I did wrong, Zan, because Alex, one time my daughter, when she was probably, I don't know, six or seven, got into uh, a disagreement, we'll say that, with the next-door neighbor kid who was also her age, and we had been talking to Alex about um, sharing her faith and telling people about Jesus, and she put her hands on those hips, and she goes, you don't even know Jesus. So we had to, so I don't know what kind of gift that is. I don't, I don't know. Is that a gift? I mean, <laughs> we'll find that in the parenting book. will So anyway, I had to bring her in the house and uh, you know talk to her about it. That is not the right way that we tell about the love of Jesus, honey. So anyway, (laughs) we had to to shape that spiritual gift into... uh, expressing it in different ways. (laughs) Yes, and I think as parents we have all had those experiences. So God calls parents to have unconditional love for our children, even when they're being rude to the kids next door. And He calls us to take authority over our children. But we need to keep in mind that God loves our children even more than we do. And ultimately, our goal is for them to submit to God's authority. And that means, and Zan, I've heard you actually say this, so I'm going to quote you here. This is something I've heard you say. We are to accept our children for who God made them to be, rather than trying to shape them into someone we want them to be. Mm. Zan, uh, you tell a story about your Independence Day with Ty, which underscores this truth. Could you tell our listeners about that?
2: Yes, um, when we started homeschooling it was 1984 I really knew nothing about homeschooling or teaching because there were two things I said I would never do in life have kids or teach and so I was <laughs> called but I was definitely not prepared and uh, so I was having to use this curriculum that started out every morning reading have your children put their feet on the floor, their hands on the desk and look you in the eye and sit silently while you speak and and Ooh. you know I was a but uh, according to that curriculum, I was a total failure. And I was feeling mm-hmm. like a total failure anyway. And, uh, and so I woke up one morning. And I thought, I mean, I was like, I got my drill sergeant hat and my whistle. And I said, okay, guys, today we're having real school in the Tyler household. <laughs> so we went downstairs. I read them those directions. No playing with your mini machine, mini cars and, and coloring and raise your hand. And, and all this was the most miserable day of homeschooling we ever had. So I told the Lord, I don't know what that was, but we will never do that again. <laughs> Ty didn't say a word. John was crying because he knew his brother was upset and it was terrible. So a few <laughs> weeks later in God's providence, we went to this little toy boutique where they had the Brio train set that I couldn't afford to buy and this wonderful book um, nook. And I picked up this book called Growing Up Learning, which is out of print. But you have to give me grace. This was 1984. And it was this professor talking about the different learning styles. Kids learn in one of three ways, auditory, kinesthetic, or visual. And he said, woe be unto the auditory kinesthetic child who learns by talking and moving. He had my attention. He said, because both of those behaviors are not acceptable in a classroom. I'm thinking, this is Ty. And
1: Mm. he talked
2: about this graduate student who came in who said, I want to be a good student, but it takes me so much energy to be still and be quiet. I have no bandwidth le- bandwidth left to concentrate. And I'm thinking, ding, 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 ding. This is what happened that day in our little schoolroom. Ty had to sit still and be quiet, and he had no bandwidth for learning. So I finally realized that God made Ty the way he made him for a reason. It wasn't my fault that he was talkative and couldn't sit still. Now, does that mean I could let him run rampant? No, but it did mean I could embrace who he was and then build our school and our lives around that a little bit. And so I really call that independence stay in our home because Ty, all of a sudden, I... I acknowledge before God who He made Ty to be, and that I needed to collaborate with the Holy Spirit to work within those parameters and not try to change Him. Try to help Him, but not try to change Him.
1: Mm -hmm. And you know, I love that. It goes back to what you said earlier about being a student of our children, Mm -hmm. studying them. Look at how they like to learn. Look at what makes them tick. Look at their strengths. Look at their weaknesses, and then teach and shape their character in accordance with those strengths and weaknesses. Is guess mm-hmm. being a student of our kids, yeah. I love that.
0: Yeah. And I think even for parents who send their kids to school, you know, in helping them with homework at night when they come home and going through spelling words, for instance, I've noticed with one of my kids, you know, spelling has to be done orally for it to really sink in, which is hard with spelling because, you know, you, you write your spelling words. So we spend a lot of time doing it that way. So understanding those things about our kids makes a huge difference in our relationship with them and how we're able to relate to them even in doing homework.
2: You are right, Katie. And no matter what school setting they're in, we we need to understand how they learn best. Mm. Because that way, um, if your kids are in a traditional school, you can support the teacher and help your child in that school setting, I think, learn um, more capably.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And advocate on our kids' behalf. Yes. Yes, yeah.
2: absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. And today's quick tip is courtesy of Zan. So what is your quick tip for us today, Zan?
2: I would just say um, when you are having an awful day with your kids to stop and take a break. Um, Grab them up. If the kids are fighting or the dishwasher has overflowed, your husband's out of town Mm -hmm. and the day is horrible, keep a list of places or places you want to go or things you want to do and be prepared to snatch them up and take them with you. You will never regret that. And those will be the days that they remember about growing up. It's okay to do that. You know, you need to give yourself permission to have fun with your kids, take
0: a day off and just enjoy them. Mm -hmm. I love that. We actually called those ER days in our house and it was emergency rest. Like, we, uh-huh. we need a moment. And we had a list. <laughs> we did. Day. We had a list. And it's like, we, we're going to pull something off this list and get out of here because we're at each other's throats. I love that. Yeah. Plan. Oh, I,
2: I love that. ER days. That's fabulous. Mental health days. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, everybody's they are. taking mental health days. Moms need
0: <laughs> mental health days more than anybody
2: else. That's <laughs> right,
1: sister. <laughs>
0: Nothing a little ice cream can't fix. That's yeah, right. <laughs> that's right.
2: That's right.
0: <laughs> well, if you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com/quicktips quick tips to submit those.
1: Before we ask Zan to leave us with a final word of encouragement, I'd like to invite you all to join Zan and me, along with some other speakers, for a live online homeschool party, April 18th through 22nd. On that Thursday, I'll be encouraging and helping moms to develop a biblical plan for discipline. This is a free event, but in order to uh, join us for this online party, you do need to register before 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time on April 18th. And you can just go to homeschoolhelp.com slash party to register register. register.
0: An online party sounds like my kind of party, y'all. I don't, I don't have to bring anything. No one's asking me to cook anything and I can wear sweatpants. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. It's, it's so much fun. And there, there'll there be giveaways and great threads where you can contribute, discounts, great speakers like Ginger. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Isn't Christy Clover speaking at this one, too, Sam? Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah, Christy is speaking as well. I mean, we're going to have a good time. Yep,
1: it's going to be a blast. <laughs> so we definitely hope you guys will register and join us. It's going to be super fun.
0: Well, again, that online event is April 18th through the 22nd be sure to register by April 18th before 9 a.m. Eastern time at homeschoolhelp.com slash party. And we'll be sure to include that link in our show notes.
1: Also, we've received numerous emails requesting that we do more podcasts about homeschooling. So, as I mentioned earlier, we are planning on having Zan back on uh, with us probably in July to offer practical ways to help and prevent homeschool burnout. Katie, I've I heard you that. talk a little bit about that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll absolutely. Know, yep. So, we'll have a lot of <laughs> listeners that will um, really gain a lot of um, wonderful ideas from Zan. So, make sure you stay tuned.
0: Zan, this has been such an encouraging message. I wish we could have covered all seven of the tools you offer for cultivating your child's potential. But the good news is that they are all in your book. So can you please tell our listeners where they can find your book and get more information about you and your ministry?
2: Well, you can go to zantyler.com and find information about where I'm speaking in my ministry. And uh, you can go to Amazon and find the book. That's
0: great. And we'll have Heather put a link to your book in our show notes as well. So how about you leave us with a final word of encouragement? When I was a young
2: mom and my son was two, my oldest son was two, I was really depressed because I felt like I was a horrible mom. And my son was very active, like we talked about. And I I didn't want to stay on him all the time, but I I knew I needed to be disciplining him. And two of my friends sort of piled on and let me know that I really was a horrible mom. I can just remember calling a friend of mine, Mitty Hatch. She and her husband spoke all over the country on marriage and family, and she had four boys. I said, Mitty, I just need help. So I went to her, and um, she spent a lot of time with me. She said, Zan, the first thing you need to remember as a parent is no guilt, no glory. She said, you just give those kids to God and you trust your kids with Him. And she said, sometimes you just need to find friends who are supportive. I thought she was going to give me a spiritual lecture. And she said, just find some supportive friends. Don't give up on your old friends, but maybe just merge back into those friendships in a couple of years. And so it, it just really taught me how important support is. Sometimes from older women or women who have just are just a little beyond you on the journey, and I really just felt like it saved my life as a mother because it's so easy to be discouraged. So, I want to encourage you don't be discouraged, no guilt, no gl- glory, and find some good support in no better way than a, um, a podcast like Ginger's.
1: <laughs> oh, sweet.
0: Well, thank you so much, Zan and Ginger. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This is a great way to help us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash ask Ginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering a 10% discount on her audio series, Reaching the Heart of Your Child, which is available in CD format or as a digital download. This three-session series is based on the content of Ginger's best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, and it addresses topics such as how to reach the heart of your child, how to give a biblical reproof, and the biblical use of the rod. The digital download is perfect for our international listeners because there are no shipping costs. And if you enter the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com, you can get 10% off. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Speaking of encouragement, Ginger is now offering live stream presentations for mops, mothers of preschoolers, and other moms groups. For more information, have your group coordinator fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.
1: All right, Suzanne, what is your—when uh, I say so Zan, it sounds like I'm saying Suzanne. Suzanne. I know. you're right. exactly like from name. Alabama <laughs> from
0: South Carolina. Yeah. Suzanne. <laughs> Suzanne. All right, let me say it again. Yeah. We need to have a blooper reel at one point in time,
1: Ginger. <laughs> I know, I know. It just hit me. I, I keep saying Sozanne and I'm like, it sounds like Sian. people say, it's her name, Sozanne? <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs>